Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Dude Therapist. We have our re- first repeat guest, Sharon Mazel, who is an internationally recognized parenting and pregnancy expert, author, journalist, speaker, parenting coach, and mom of four with over 25 years experience in the field. Sharon is the author of Bite Size Parenting, Your Baby's First Year, and was previously with the What to Expect book series. Sharon reaches hundreds of thousands of new and expectant parents with her popular parenting and pregnancy guidance on social media, parenting coaching, digital resources, and parenting courses. Sharon's social media has been called one of the most educational Instagram accounts for new parents and one of the best Instagram accounts for new moms. Sharon's writings and guidance have also been widely published online in numerous publications, including whattoexpect.com, everydayhealth.com, Parenting Magazine, Baby Talk Magazine, The Washington Post, and other publications. And you can learn more about Sharon on her website in the show notes. I'm super excited to have her on again. And let me know who you want me to have on another time. Not just Sharon, but all the guests that I've had on. Comment and let me know. So let's get right into this awesome episode for all the parents out there and expecting parents. But first, a word from our sponsors. Hey, I want to thank Alma for sponsoring this week's episode. You know, building a private practice can be really challenging. I know for me, I was so scared of how I was going to get the right clients, the right fit, and them being able to pay. And taking insurance is really scary. Growing your caseload, navigating insurance, and managing billing and paperwork all take so much time. And that's all in addition to doing your best and delivering amazing care to your clients. That's why Alma gives clinicians the tools they need to build thriving private practices. When you join their insurance program, you can get credentialed within 45 days and access enhanced reimbursement rates with major payers. They also handle all the paperwork from eligibility checks to claim submissions and guarantee payment within two weeks of each appointment. In addition to their insurance program, Alma offers time-saving tools and administrative support so you can spend less time on paperwork and more time delivering great care to your clients. Learn more about building a thriving private practice with Alma at helloalma.com. That's helloalma.com to get started. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Dude Therapist. I'm so excited to have Sharon on because this is the first time that we're repeating someone who's already been on the show because someone like you can't not have her on the show. Sharon Mizell is really one of the leading experts on parenting, one of the go-to people for many years and for so many parents has been a support system. So I'm super excited to have her on a second time. Who knows? Maybe a third, fourth, 15th time. I don't mind having repeat people on if they are that and this amazing. So Sharon, thank you so much for being on the show. Can you please introduce yourself to listeners if they don't know who you are already? Hi, Ellie. Thank you so much for that um, resounding uh, positive introduction. I'm honored. I didn't know that I was the first second timer. So I'm honored to be here. Um, I am Sharon Maisel. I am a parenting and pregnancy expert. I have been doing this for uh, 25 years. I have four children of my own. And I have just come out with a brand new book called Bite Size Parenting, which I know we're going to talk about today. 
And I'm so excited to add that to my collection of parenting resources. Um, some of you may know me from my Instagram account, um, also under my name, Sharon Maisel. I have um, lots of followers there, and I love interacting with followers there. I have um, courses and e-guides, and I do coaching, parenting coaching. So I am working with parents all the time, every day. Oh, amazing. So, you know, you've been in it for over 20 years, not just as a parent yourself, but as a specialist and, and I'll call you an expert. You very much are. And so you come up with a new book. There's been multiple other things that you've worked on over the years. What makes this book that special or new or updated that hasn't been done yet that you feel is such a powerful message that you want to get across? So I have been educating parents, working with parents, researching about parenting for so many years. And what I've noticed over the years is that there's so much information out there. And that's really a positive thing. You have a question about parenting, you can go onto Google and find that answer. You have, uh, you need some strategies, go onto social media and you'll find it. But the problem is twofold. One, when you're looking exactly for that information, it's sometimes hard to find because you have to go search for it or you have to remember that you maybe saved a post on social media and you have to go search for it. And that's really hard. And then there's so much information. So do, do you trust this person or that person? Do you trust what this person's opinion is or that recommendation? So much out there gets confusing and then it gets stressful because when there's so much information, it becomes overwhelming. And when parents are overwhelmed, sometimes they just start to tune it out. So what I really set out to do is create a book, to write a book for today's generation of parents who, number one, are overwhelmed because there's so much information out there. And number two, are so busy because, well, everybody's busy, but there's just so many things going on. And we don't have time anymore to scroll through hundreds of posts on, on social media to find the strategies that we're looking for. We don't really have the time to read through paragraph after paragraph on, on the blogs or in books. So I really wanted to create a really digestible book. And that's what I did with Bite Size Parenting. It's a book mm -hmm. for your baby's first year. So it covers newborn through 12 months old. And it's extremely, extremely digestible. So let me explain what I mean by that. It's, first of all, very organized. So it goes month by month. Every chapter is a different month. Every chapter has information on the essential information that you need for your baby, feeding and sleeping and um, baby care, milestones, play, stimulating a baby, that sort of thing. But what makes it so unique is that it's, I, I like to call it a choose your own adventure. Mm. So if you have, let's say, two minutes and your baby is screaming and you're not sure why and you need strategies right now, you can turn to the infographics, the little adorable illustrations that I have with very quick digestible bites of strategies. So it will tell you what to do in this moment. Boom, 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 boom. Mm. And then maybe when the baby's sleeping and you have a little more time, every topic that I have has in addition to those quick bites, those quick digestible illustrated pieces of information, what I call a closer look, which then dives deeper, gives more nuance, gives more detail, gives more of the why and the how for each of those strategies. And you can read through that and it's still written in a very digestible um, and fun way, but you can read through that, let's say when you have a little more time, when the baby's sleeping mm -hmm. or the baby's playing and you're able to say, okay, let me let me understand why um, Sharon's recommending these strategies. So that's what makes this book so unique. You can not only choose how to get the information, but then you also get to choose what you do with the information afterwards mm -hmm. because you're the parent, you get to choose what to do. 
Yeah, you know, uh, I got the the honor to be able to to look through it a little bit before talking to you. And one of the things that really stuck out to me more than any other thing, and and I read a lot, and I read a lot of parenting things. I'm a parenting specialist myself. I read a lot of parenting books. A lot of like, I just I'm reading constantly. Yours popped that I was able to see what I wanted to see, especially the first page of that chapter, that overview picture that kind of gives a very clear overview with, and even that, like uh, those points within a chapter that have the picture so that, yes, if you wanted to, you can really dive in later. But if you just wanted information right now from a reliable source without having to, like you say in the intro, go to Dr. Google um, and, and skim through 3 million searches, you can get something right at your fingertips in a very tactical way of sight. And like, what brought, what pushed you to do that over just the word vomit that a lot of books have that is so hard to sift through? I I love that word vomit (laughs) because it really captures and encapsulates so many books. Um, And I also, I'm a voracious reader like you, so I actually love words. But um, but again, when we don't have the time as parents, we even if we're word people, even if we read 800 page novels, we just need to have the strategies, the actionable strategies at our fingertips. So I understood not only um, that today's parents are really exhausted with those uh, word vomits and Google searches, but there's there's different ways of learning and gathering information. And, And really, my goal and my mission is to empower parents to help them feel confident. And Mm -hmm. any way that I can get the information to parents so that they do feel empowered, that they do feel like I know what I'm doing and I can do this and I got this, then that's a win. So by offering a few ways of absorbing the information, visually through the pictures, um, with short bursts of words, with longer bursts of words, I'm really speaking to multiple audiences or the the same audience, just in different ways. So you mentioned that um, the the overview pages that I have in each chapter. So mm-hmm. every chapter begins with um, uh, an at a glance, an overview page, which gives the quick and dirty pieces of information that you'll need to know as a parent for that month. How many naps my baby might be taking this month? What that wake window might look like? How long those naps might be? So I'll do it on on sleeping. And then I'll also have a little bit on feeding. How many feeds? How many ounces? Um, Mm -hmm. How many meals, depending on the Mm -hmm. age. And then also uh, weight and height. What is the average weight or height for my baby this month? Mm. And then I'll know that my baby is growing properly. So all these things are pieces of information that parents really want to know. And I give it to them in a real, uh, in a very easy way to to learn it and digest it and then feel confident about it. Mm -hmm. Amazing. I love it. Really, it's it's so beautifully done. You know, and and I love that something that when we talked last time about your past works, a pushback that I had um, was the gray boxes, right? That were for for parent for for dads. Um, there there was it was it was getting incrementally bigger, right? There was more and more each each time you you added it, and this time it's really to both. Yeah. And to me, as a father who's an active parent who's involved, who's there. Yeah, I might not have done the same amount of research as my wife. Let's be honest. The moms do more research than dads um, and get more, you know, kind of that default parent burden. Um, I still want to know things and to have a place that talks to both parents, especially the sections on like 
parents' struggles. Uh, there was so much valuable reality to to the 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 realism of parenting. I even liked the part, and you know, I got through a few chapters, and the thing that stuck out was uh, the myths of parenting and the idea that you're going to connect with your kids right away, and you're going to love parenting all the time. And I struggled with the first one with my first kid, Ricky, um, connecting right away. My son connected right away. Uh, it was an easier birth, so I think that also helped. But the, uh, the 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 blame or the guilt, even the shame, we can throw every word out there that I felt about not connecting with my kid. And to see a parenting expert put that in a book, to see a parenting expert say, yeah, parenting is, you, you're going to love it, but not all the time. It's going to be hard. Is Even though it's an obvious thing that everyone knows, but most people don't say it out loud. Um, especially from the high up experts of parenting. It's kind of like, here's what you do when you don't feel it. Not let me give you a reality that it is hard, you know, and give a lot of empathy. So what, what shifted for you to put those parts in that maybe weren't in the other, other works that you've done? Well, you mentioned two things and, and, and I love your insight, Ellie, you're very, um, I mean, I guess this is what you do. So you, you get it, but the first, first of all, Families come in so many different permutations. So when we're talking to parents, parents can be so many different things, right? They could be moms and dads, two moms, two dads. They can be a single parents. They could, right? And it could be a mom, a single mom, a single dad. So I didn't want to, no pun intended, box in um, my definition of mm -hmm. what, or somebody else's definition of what a parent is. And so this book speaks to all parents and all family types, because when you're a parent, it doesn't matter what your partner looks like. If you have a partner, if you don't have a partner, you're still parenting a child. Mm -hmm. And so that's really the way I look at it. Parents are parents, no matter what form they come in. Um, the second the second piece that you mentioned, which is such an important part of this book and really what makes it very different from other parenting books out there is that in every chapter, I have a four parent only section, which talks directly to the parents, speaks to the struggles that the parents themselves might be going through the challenges that we all face as parents. So you mentioned some of the myths, one of the sections or one of the earlier chapters is talking about mm -hmm. some of those parenting myths that you might come into parenting, especially if it's your first baby, believing. Because we see on social media, everybody looking blissful with their no newborn, you know, snuggled in their arms and everything just is clean and neat and um, and and seemingly easy. But that's not the reality. You know, you just talked about it. I have four kids. I know that's not the reality. And why should we gloss over it? Why shouldn't we present a more realistic mm -hmm. um, vision of what parenting is? Because, again, if my mission is to empower parents, to make them feel confident in their abilities, pretending that it should feel different than what than what their reality actually is doesn't serve any purpose. Mm -hmm. So that's another thing um, that I love about the illustrations in this book. They're very realistic. There's one in particular that I love. It's this illustration of a mom, it happens to be a mom, who's standing over a newborn who um, has a poop blowout. The baby mm -hmm. is screaming. The mom is leaking breast milk. She you know, has her hair up in a mom bun and she's crying. How many of us have actually been there, right? Even without the mom bun, right? Even without the leaking breasts. Dads have been there too. Everybody has to deal with poop blowouts and this sense of exhaustion and this sense of overwhelm. So let, let's let's show it and let's give, as I did, real strategies that 
can help parents navigate through those challenges mm-hmm. so that A, you don't feel alone and B, you feel like, you know what, I know I'm having a really hard day, but most parents have really hard days every day and I can get through it because I have the tools at my fingertips. Yeah. And you know, that uh, image of the poop explosion or whatever, the blowout, whatever word you want to use, it always brings up that like memories of my wife and I changing our daughter's diaper in the middle of the night. And she had a poop explosion in the middle of changing her diaper and like shot across the room. Right. <laughs> and we thought, to like, everybody. It was dark and we had to like, you know, dodge it. And, and then we we're laughing and we're crying because like we're overwhelmed first few months of this uh, beautiful child's life. But we were just like la- that, that scene of laughing and crying happens so often in the beginning stages. And let's be honest, many stages later, um, you know, it happened to my wife and I, a couple of weeks ago, we were just overwhelmed and just held each other and cried and then laughed that we were crying about being overwhelmed, you know, like that, that realism. And to me, images say so much because sometimes a book is just words and we can't, understand it when we're not in it yet or haven't experienced yet, or it looks like us exactly how it's being written. So to have an image that really portrays the reality of it is is so powerful and so beautiful and something that I think a lot of people connect to. And I think in this day and age, that's so into image and, and whether it's social media, whether it's TikTok or that way, I think the also beautiful part, which I'm not sure if you you spoke about or hinted to, but at the end of the chapter, there is that choose your own adventure, right? There is that ability to go, oh, that helped, but I'm really looking for something else and the exact page. You don't have to go to the back of the book to find an index of a thing. It's literally right after while you're reading it. And so often when we're our brains are not functioning at the level that we need to, and sometimes we just need a quick answer to have that ability. Um, to do that is, and to give that to people is, is so wonderful. You know, you, you've been doing this for a long time. What are some of the things that you've, sh- you've seen change or shift from a parenting perspective or even the world around parenting or view of parenting that is portrayed in this book or just in your own perspective that's not portrayed in the book? So I've, I've really seen a shift in a lot of the, um, and we, we touched briefly on this, a lot of the fear that parents have of, am I doing it right? Am I the perfect parent for my child? Am I doing the right thing? I have this person saying, giving me this piece of advice, that blog giving me another piece of advice, help, what do I do? And there's, because we are we see so much on social media, because we see so much around us, we lose, a lot of parents lose that sense of confidence. And to me, that's a real shame because parent instincts is so strong. Our gut, we we know in our gut what is right for our baby. And what I really tried to focus on in this book, besides the real actionable strategies, was also presenting to parents all the options out there. Mm-hmm. So even though it's it's a sh- it's it's written in a very digestible and short way, there's packed with info in every sentence. So mm-hmm. what I always like to tell parents is that aside from safety issues, right? You have to put your baby in a in the first year in a rear facing car seat. Yes, we know that. Please put your babies to sleep on their backs without any bumpers and blankets and pillows and and toys in the crib. Those are recommendations that we all should be following for the safety of our child. Mm -hmm. 
But beyond things like medical and safety topics, the rest doesn't really matter. Now, we, we want to have the strategies, and believe me, bite-sized parenting presents those strategies, mm-hmm. but there's not one right way to parent. So it doesn't really matter if you choose to start your babies on purees or on finger foods, the baby-led weaning method. Mm-hmm. Your baby will still learn to eat eventually. It doesn't matter if you choose to do some sort of sleep training method or if you choose to co-sleep safely with your baby mm-hmm. in, in your bed. Those are choices that you can make as a parent. And by offering all those choices, by giving the information, explaining how to or how or, or why, in as mm-hmm. I do in bite-sized parenting, I'm giving the information so that parents then could make that choice of what feels right for them. Mm. So that I think is, is some of the shift that I've seen that we're that that we as parents worry so much. Am I doing am I doing the right thing? And there's mm. not always a right black and white answer. Mm-hmm. For again, not beyond safety and health issues, there's not going to be a black and white answer. And so the best way to parent is to parent in a way that feels right for you. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I hope that this book gives parents out there the ability to choose how to parent based on the knowledge that they get from bite-sized parenting. I got such goosebumps bumps you talking about. I don't know why, but literally my whole my arm, my whole but I got a shiver down. Because there's something so powerful about giving and empowering parents to figure out their way of doing it. And something that I say all the time, and I get this often, I don't know if you get this. I'm sure you do. You've been doing this a lot longer than I have and helping a lot more people than I have, but in the world that you're in, Oh, Sharon, you're a parenting specialist. You know, what do you think? Right. And they, you know, you, you're at a dinner table, you're at a party, you're, I don't know, anywhere. (laughs) And someone's like, Oh, you know, my kid, you know, right. And talks to you. And, and and a lot of times my friends and my, and, and, and people in my circle, they go, Oh, you must be judging me for, I'm like, no, I don't know what the heck I'm doing some days. And I help other people with this. It's, it's such a, a niche thing specific to your kid in your world, in your house, in your culture, in your background that dictates how you do things, whether it's baby led weeding, maybe it's, you know, how you feed, where you feed, what you do, how you do it. Of course, we're taking out, obviously, you know, of course, we need our kids to be safe and healthy. And that's not, we're not talking about that. Just the way you go about doing that, it's so specialized. And and, and I, the biggest thing I can't stand when other people criticize other parents, because hopefully you're, you're not perfect. So you don't want them to criticize you. And we all have our moments with the tantrums, with the, you know, in public, you know, embarrassing situations that every parent has gone through. My wife and I are going to go on a flight in the, in the next week back to New York for the holidays. And I'm not looking forward to my kids being on a flight and every parent knows that feeling. So like, we can't judge parents for doing their best. It's not fair because we've been there and, and we need to have more empathy and care for, for parents. And you know, the funny thing is you say that it's not black and white like health, but the health stuff is not black and white anymore either. That's the, that's the interesting thing. And to me, that's why I love having resources like you. Because Dr. Google and Facebook groups are such can be such a destructive place for parents to feel even more overwhelmed and over and un, and and misguided and even doubting their their natural and logical abilities that they have within themselves. So I love that this book is so accessible. 
in so many ways. And was it hard for you to shift from the, what you used to do for what this new book? Because the other works that you've done, not that they're so lengthy and ridiculous and too wordy, they're magical and beautiful and amazing in their own way. But this is a different style. How is it shifting your style of doing things to a new way of kind of giving information? So we all evolve and um, I've uh, certainly evolved um, and I've been doing this on Instagram now for quite some time and it really resonated. And on Instagram, um, for those of you who are followers, you'll see that I use infographics as well. And um, it's something that I saw parents really gravitating towards. And that's really what um, propelled me to do this book in a similar fashion. But I love the the ability to write uh, in a book because I can write so much more. I can be more directed. I can give more detail and more nuance. And of course, I can be very organized with it. Um, so I've always I've spent my whole life uh, with my background in journalism. I spent my whole life as a researcher and a writer. And um, I have the tools, because this is what I've been doing, to go through the evidence, to look at the data, to do the research, to read every journal, um, from whether it's a pediatric journal or an OBGYN journal, and then to translate that medical jargon and the data into mm-hmm. language and format that is understandable for people who don't want to go mm-hmm. through the 45 journal articles um, and everything in bite-sized parenting is evidence-based. I have um, all the sources laid out um, uh, on, on my website. The the link is in the book. And so there's this is not my opinion, right? This is not mm-hmm. Sharon's opinion book on what to do. This is um, the studies, the data, the research that other people have done. I've spoken to pediatricians, to occupational therapists, physical therapists, um, psychologists, everything to be able to then distill all that information into a very um, accessible and digestible format for for readers. And so this really is what I've been doing my whole life and mm-hmm. um, my whole professional life. And, and that's why I'm so excited to be able to present this to parents today. Um, it's, it's, it's a great guidebook. Um, and, and there are many wonderful parenting books out there. And I say this is a, another one as a compliment to your parenting library that you will definitely turn to again and again and again, because it is um, not only trustworthy, but also so easy to get the information, easy to find the information that you're looking for. Yeah. You know, there's another book that is, is similar, but I want to say that I think your book is done in a way that is, is better digestible in my opinion, um, where it goes by alphabetical order of things that come up. I'm sure you know it. I'm not here to call out other authors and, and ex and specialists in their own right. And it's a beautifully done book, right? Where you're like, oh, I have a, but if you don't know what that word is, if you don't know what the letter, right? Maybe your brain's not working and you can't spell that day, you know, to have it by month or, or kind of in that way of what the next stage of things are within stages, I think is a, a, a better organization of ways to do it. Um, I know that I struggle with spelling on a daily basis. So, and, and, you know, and it's not my forte, my wife and I, we joke around that when, you know, in front of the kids, when we're spelling words, like we have to be like one second, slow down, start over again, spell the word again. Right. So to have it in kind of a stage way is really, I think a lot more accessible to people, to people, you know, through the new, the research that you were doing, any, any surprises come up regarding any new information that you you were maybe not taken aback in a bad way, but kind of like, hmm, that's interesting. Uh, and then in compared to past research that you've done. 
This did surprise me, but I think it may surprise a lot of people out there. So I'll mention it. Um, I was doing research into sleep training, and um, this is such a hot button topic among parents. Yeah. Should I sleep train my child? Should I hold my child through the night? Should I feed my child, you know, uh, um, again and again throughout the night? How do I get my baby to sleep through the night, right? This is what all parents wonder about and certainly um, struggle with. And there's so many opinions out there of how you should do it, what is best for baby. Mm-hmm. And when you actually look at the research and the data, um, there's a there's a few wonderful studies, but there's definitely one really great study that's a longitudinal, a long-term study, um, which is considered, and it's a randomized controlled study, which is considered the, the gold standard in research. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's looking at two types of sleep uh, training or, two, or, or ways to get your baby or help your baby learn how to sleep through the night. And one of them, one way was the traditional old fashioned way of just letting your baby cry. And it's not something that I particularly recommend, you know, never uh, attending to your child. But in, this is something that parents did a while ago, um, where you just close the door and don't come back to your baby. That's the extreme on one mm-hmm. side. And then the other side, they looked at other types of sleep training or sleep teaching, I like to call it techniques, um, versus none at all. And what they found was no difference among the babies, mm. um, certainly not long-term. There was no long-term damage. And I think is, this is what's most important for parents. There was no long-term damage, even if you choose to let your baby cry nonstop, mm. which is something that may f- not feel right for a lot of parents. Mm-hmm. And what's great about that, and I do mention that in the book, because I know parents ask me all the time, and I, I do a lot of parenting coaching, particularly around sleep, for some reason, that's one of the hot, mm. hot, uh, the hot topics. But parents are always like, am I hurting my baby if I don't Mm -hmm. go in immediately and hold her if she's a little upset? Mm -hmm. And I remind parents again and again, no, the data shows that your baby will be fine no matter what you do. And again, Mm -hmm. that goes back to what I was saying before. You have to do what feels right for you. If sleep training with some crying feels right for you, then do it. If not sleep training and holding your baby throughout the night feels right for you, then do it. If Mm -hmm. even the most extreme of sleep training techniques feels right for you, then do it. Your baby will be fine. And I think mm. that's what I, I I hope that parents take away from all of my resources, not just bite-sized parenting, my book, mm-hmm. but all of my resources, to take a deep breath, to mm. to say, it is, it is, I have to figure this out today, this minute. And it feels monumental. It feels mm. huge. And I am so stressed about getting it right. But if I, as a parent, can remember that taking a step back and looking at the big picture and remember that my baby is going to be fine really no matter what I do. I just have to feel good about it. So really I have to choose what seems to work best for Mm. me, my baby's temperament, because every baby is different, uh, even in the same family, uh, as as you know, right? So I just have to do what feels right in this moment for this child, Mm. but have in the back of our minds, you know, it's all going to be okay. And one day we're going to look back at this and maybe laugh, maybe cry, maybe reminisce. But our babies will be fine because we're giving them what they need most, which is love and attention. Yeah. And I, and I think, ooh, again, goose, what is what is with you today? You're getting yeah. right <laughs> under my skin in a good way. You're getting the goosebumps every time. Um, you know, it's so funny. People also, a lot of parents, we, we vent about, you know, sleeping. You know, my kid doesn't fall asleep till 11 o'clock. My kid doesn't fall asleep till, you know, 8 o'clock. And, and my kid wakes up seven times. And my kid does that, you know, and we're just, we're like being there with each other as support. And there's something that I always say, and they're like, Ellie, what should we do? And I'm like, what works for you? And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, do you want to hold the baby all night? No. Okay. So let's make adjustments. Do you 
do you want to hear baby scream all night? No. Okay. Let's make adjustments. Like it, it ha it does. And, and, and just to, just from an analytical perspective in my brain, just, you know, while I'm talking to you, what was the litmus test for the baby being okay? What does that mean? Long-term. Long-term that there's, that there's no harm in attachment, right? We don't see any attachment issues with the baby. The baby is still well-adjusted or I guess the toddler or the preschooler at this stage, when you're mm -hmm. talking longitudinal, um, they're still well-adjusted. They still sleep well. Eventually okay. children will sleep. So all the, the markers that you, that we worry about, right. Am I harming my child? Will them. my child hate me? Right. Will they, mm -hmm. will they hate me because I'm letting them cry? The answer is no, you still will. Your child will still feel that love and, um, and, and feel attached and bonded to you as, as a parent and child because, relationship. Because there have been people, you know, one of the things that I don't like about the social media world that, that kind of is, is our life um, nowadays um, and why I love talking to experts like yourself and having resources like yourself is that there are these people on, on social media that like the Instagram or the TikTok of like, if you let your kid cry all night, they're going to be traumatized forever and you need to hold them all night. Right now. I, I love hearing research that proves otherwise, because, you know, just because some mom posts it or a dad posts it doesn't mean there's research behind it. It could be a feeling of worry not an actual study of research. So it's good to have stuff that we know. Now, does it mean that it's not going to traumatize you more than the kid? It's probably going to traumatize you more than the child. <laughs> I remember when my son was born, he had uh, a, a lot of gagging and acid. So mm -hmm. he couldn't sleep through the night um, at all. And he would just make weird noises. And it was a very worrisome time because we we're like, we don't want you dying in the middle of the night. We love you and our goal and our, you know, standard for parenting is to keep our children alive. So we held them on our chest for like the first 12 to 15 weeks at night. It was so torturous for us as parents. And we'll never forget that. I promise you, he sleeps great now. And he is a well-adjusted, wonderful, cute, yummy little dude that I want to eat every day. Now, did it still mess with my head and make me doubt being a parent? A thousand percent. Did I cry? hundred percent. Do I think about it sometimes when he's not sleeping at night and I hold him on my chest? Yes, very much I do. But I'm okay and he's doing wonderfully. So we, we, the moments of our doubt and our fears and our pains is so hard. Why do you think, and this is really the last question I have for you is, why do you think nowadays is so in tune to that fear and anxiety and worry about parenting that maybe 20, 30, 40 years ago, maybe we just didn't talk about it as much. But why does it feel so like in our faces that every parent is like, oh, ooh, eh, and like so concerned about every aspect of every detail of every nuance of a kid's life? That's a great question. And I don't know that I have the answer, but I'll give you one answer that, that I, I can think of. I, I feel like we live in a world or culture of comparison now because it's in our face all the time. 30, 40, 50 years ago, when we talked about this a lot, right, we, there was no social media. So the only babies and parents that we would see were people in our family or people in our neighborhood or at the, the supermarket or at the playground or at preschool drop-off. Mm -hmm. Now we see all those same neighborhood and family babies and parents plus millions of others. Mm -hmm. And so all of a sudden there's this doubt in our head of, am I doing enough? For my mm -hmm. baby because that baby on social media is already saying 10 words and my baby is barely babbling or am i doing the right thing for my baby because that baby is eating 
tons of food and my baby is just flinging the purees? Am I doing the right way of sleep training because that four-month-old is already sleeping through the night and my eight-month-old is still waking up three times? When it's in our face so much, the, the doubt creeps in because we have so many points of comparison now. And because, as you mentioned, there's a lot of opinion of how it should be done. And mm-hmm. so when, when we have all that in our faces all the time, we start to question that gut instinct that I talked about before. And, and that's why I've really set out to create a very science-backed and evidence-based book in Bite-Sized Parenting, where I talk about the pros and the cons, even if it's not explicitly, here's a list of pros and here's a list of cons, mm-hmm. but of, of all the parenting choices that you have to make in those essential topics, how should I feed my baby? So I see on social media that there's this influencer who is feeding her baby steak at six months old. I don't feel comfortable with that, or I do feel comfortable with that, but it doesn't really matter what they're doing. I'm going to do what I want to do based on the knowledge that I have, based on Mm -hmm. the evidence that is out there. And so if we can stop worrying about everyone else and instead worrying about gaining the knowledge that then we can make the choice that works best for ourselves and our babies, then perhaps some of that fear and worry and guilt and shame Mm -hmm. and, and, um, insecurities that we feel around our own parenting skills and what what we're doing for our baby can disappear a little bit or at least be mitigated mm. somewhat. I think that's so true. Look, you know, you said you didn't have a you didn't know everything, but I think that's a great a great a great perspective because we are just so pushed into thinking, feeling because we're kind of scrolling and looking and seeing. And, you know, uh, my wife and I always joke around that Sean and, and uh, Andrew East, Sean Johnson, the uh, we have kids the same age. Yeah. And we always say, like, my daughter and, and Drew would be best friends if we live near them. Right. And we always joke around. And even that, like when they talk about the reality of parenting, we feel great because someone else is going through it in a different world and a different status and a different state different city and then when i see parents i don't know the right word for it right now but they make it look so magical and beautiful and so just unicorns and daisies no matter where you are in life the kids could be in teenage years and you could be living next door to them and you feel like you are nothing so the biggest thing is you need to rely on yourself and trust yourself. Talk to people and surround yourself with people that support and empathize and love you for what you're doing and, and not criticizing or demeaning or dismissing all the hard work. And if you're around those people who are putting you down, don't be around those people. I don't care if it's your mom, your mother-in-law, father, father-in-law, sister, brother-in-law. I know it's hard, but make some space then because it's not fair because you are doing your best as a parent. And so I want to kind of give the floor to you for the last couple of minutes of with the beautiful research that you've done with this beautiful book, Bite-Sized Parenting, what are some, some takeaways that you hope to speak to the new, the new parents coming up in the world in this modern age with this beautiful book to hand to them? What would be something that you would like them to hear? Well, I'll actually um, take, take off something that you just said, that there are moments of challenge and when you're experiencing them remember that everybody every parent who has a child that age the same age as your child is experiencing the same challenges and struggles 
It may not seem that way, but everybody is, and everybody has to navigate through it. But if I can leave, you know, the, so one one point with parents today is that there's also lots of moments of joy and wonderment. And you mentioned the unicorns and the daisies. It, it's there won't be unicorns and daisies, but there will be smiles and giggles and big wet hugs and kisses and moments of joy that you are just on cloud nine. And that could be, uh, you know, at the moment that there's the poop blowout, because as you said, you're crying and you're laughing. You're laughing because it's funny. This is joyous. I can't believe that there's poop everywhere. That's a moment of joy, even in a moment of, of tremendous struggle. And oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. But there's, you know, and this is actually one of the things that I mentioned in the book, um, in that parent section, in, in I think it's either the month 11 or month 12, finding moments of joy with your baby. There are so many of them. And if, and if we are able to step back, to take that breath that I mentioned before, and look at everything that we've accomplished in that first year, in that first month, in that day, and say, wow, we've, we're, we're, we're pretty darn good at this. And even when there's moments of challenge, and even when we feel like, oh my God, I can't get through another day of not sleeping. There are times when you look at that cute, adorable bundle of baby in front of you and say, wow, this is my child. And I love my child and my child loves me. And that makes all those poop blowouts and those sleepless nights worth it. 100%. 100%. I mean, something that I try to do very often is I try to create those moments, small, small moments um, of gratitude or awareness of the beauty that they are in my life and the blessing. Even though, of course, the day can be filled with tantrums and screaming and yelling and the day can be filled with what I what I call like hurting, you know, like a sheepdog. Like, okay, we got to go to school. Okay, get your clothes on. Okay, we got to get dressed. Let's go to the bathroom. Let's go. Get, right. And you're just kind of like a sheepdog and like, trying to get them to the next phase of that day. Sometimes I sit there. And I look at my kids, my kids, and I look at my wife and I go, they are just so beautiful. And that takes action within yourself. And, and I want to quote a friend of mine, Dr. Sasha, Sasha Hines, who's a positive psychologist. She goes, it's called um, happiness hunting, right? Sometimes we don't always can't just see it right away. We have to hunt for it. We have to look for it. We have to stop and pay attention and be active in that search because we can get so bombarded by the frustrations and the, and the and the sadness and the overwhelming stress that parenting can and will be um, at some point in our day or week. But if we can sit back and create a moment, I like to like chase my kids and pretend to be a monster and laughing and tickling and and singing and, and music's a huge part in our home. We always blast music and have dance parties. Just for three minutes of that of that day, you know and you feel the joy of being a parent. And if we can kind of build on those and, and push us forward to the next day, it's the same thing with our relationships with our partners, right? It's not always going to be unicorns and daisies, but we have beautiful moments. So Sharon, thank you so much for the expertise that you give the world. Um, I know I always look towards you when I'm struggling with parenting uh, and look at your account. Um, I always don't want to bombard you with emails and stuff like that, even though I know you are just so accessible and such an, an amazing, nice human being. But thank you so much for being on the show as the first repeat. Um, and maybe many uh, with you. Um, but again, thank you so much for your amazing work and amazing book and and just all that you've done for so many and continue to do. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ellie. It's, it's an honor to be here to talk about parenting and relationships and happiness hunting with you. I love that. And so um, thank you for all the work that you do. 
Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode of The Dude Therapist. It means a lot to me because without you, the listeners, this podcast can't happen. So every listen, every download, every rate, review, and share means so much to me. And I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. Talking about wellness, mental health, and relationships is one of my passions. And that's what this podcast is all about. So thanks so much for tuning in. As always, if you have any questions, concerns, ideas, thoughts, collaborations, email me at thedudetherapist at gmail.com. Always feel free to DM me on Instagram at thedudetherapist. Don't forget to be kind to yourself and to others. And as always, see you next time on the Dude Therapist Podcast.